It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You know, the Cincinnati Reds are headed to the Memorial Day checkpoint, and there's a couple of guys that I think they should move on from. Probably heard about the names and such, but we are going to discuss who the Reds should move on from and who should be moving on to in today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, and I am Jeff Carr. I'm a lifelong Cincinnati Reds fan, and I've turned an addiction to this team into information for you. Steve is not with me today. He is my co-host, but we are both lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans and so happy to be sharing some time talking some Reds with you here today. I want to encourage you to jump in the comments section. This is a live episode as we get you ready for the final of the four games set between the Reds and the Cardinals at Grand American Ballpark today. First pitch is just under or actually right over an hour away from right now. There's lots to talk about where it comes to the chance of the Reds possibly winning today. I mean, we've got Luke Weaver on the mound. He's looked okay here recently. We're going to get into all of that coming up here in a minute. Plus I've got some thoughts on a couple of dudes who we've seen some recent performances on, and you're probably wondering how does this dude fit into the future of the Reds team, i.e. Ben Lively. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but before we get into those two things, we got to talk about this because everybody is asking, when are we going to move on from so-and-so? It's that time of year, and I want to hear from you. Jump in the comment section. Let me know what player are you looking to move on from because I got two on my mind right now, and it's very obvious who the two are. I think that we've seen all we need to see. And, and I know that Steve and I have been saying here recently, like, let's, let's see if we can give him a little bit more time, but man, it really looks like Will Myers just isn't going to figure it out. Right. I don't know what's going on here. And it's something that I wish we could give more time to, but I feel like there's some other dudes that are producing on this team. And I, I would really love to see those guys get some more Shot. I mean, I mean, I think, and the more that I try to explain it, because I did this with TJ Friedel last season, when TJ Friedel was first called up, I'm like, ah, it's cool. Like guy like that, great story. Not really a huge prospect. Let's see what he's got. Probably not going to be a lot, but he played well and he continues to play well. And ever since he's come back from the injured list, he has played fantastic. And I want to see if he can continue to be a huge guy for the team, but what is Stuart Fairchild? Stuart Fairchild is a guy who last September really blew up and really had some nice numbers where it comes to average and slugging percentage and things like that. But it was in such a small window. You're like, I don't know if I can trust this. I don't know if this is something that I I'm going to lean on too much because it's been such a short sample size and he kind of struggled to start this year, but this last week or so, he started to put together some interesting performances and it comes at a very bad time for Will Myers because Will Myers continues to not do anything at all. And the reason that we were excited about him when the Reds added him to the roster, we looked at him and I even looked at his career numbers and I said, you know, I really think that he's a, a Nick Castellanos light. Well, that was a wrong take, but career wise, their, their numbers are comparable. 
It's just, you know, Will Myers doesn't have that one singular year like Nick Castellanos had in 2021. So what do you make of all of that? Is this something that this guy's going to come back from as soon as the weather is getting good and, you know, as, as things get warm and stuff like that? Well, guess what? The weather's kind of nice right now. Like, I don't know if you looked outside your window or if you're going down to the ballpark today, but this is a beautiful day to go down to the ballpark. I really think we are getting into the point of the season where excuses are gone. There are no more corners to hide in. There's no more things that you can say like, Oh, well, you know, this and maybe, and that, no, I think we're to the point that we've really got to consider what is next. And, and Craig, I do kind of, I kind of feel you on this and, and, and maybe it's something that I mean, I mean, maybe he catches hot in the next couple of weeks. But as of right now, I really think that the, t the clock's ticking because the plan for Will Myers coming in here is clear. Whenever the Reds signed him, they said, we're going to sign him. He's going to blow up and then we're going to trade him because we're bringing him into one of the most hitter friendly parks in the league, like outside of the thin air of Coors field, grand American ballpark is one of the best places to be. If you're holding a baseball bat, Will Myers hasn't really benefited from that because he just, I, I don't get it. Like you watch him at the plate. He's got that weird, really far away from the plate stance. And it's not like he's getting closer to the plate as we go along. It's it, he's not adjusting that. And, and I thought that uh, Barry Larkin made a great point the other day on the television broadcast where he said, you know, I, Davey Johnson would tell me if you're, if you're struggling, hit the ball to right center, you know, being a right-handed hitter, push the ball, put it to the opposite field. And then you're going to start pulling it naturally because right now it looks like Will Myers is trying to pull the ball. So when he makes good contact, it's going into the stands in foul territory and it's not doing any good. It's, it just feels like there's some sort of adjustment that he needed to make a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I wish I could say he could make it right now and it would fix, but I really think it's time that we give Stuart Fairchild some more. I want to see Jake Fraley play against lefties. I do. And I think that we need to open up opportunities like that. TJ Friedel needs to be playing every single day. I have no I, I know of no argument against TJ Friedel playing every day at this point. I mean, David Bell thinks highly of him enough to put him in the leadoff spot and put Jonathan Indy in the third spot so that Matt McClain can stay in the second spot. That's how well TJ Friedel has played. So I think that we are looking at a situation that as we continue to move into June and as, as, as we're getting into the trade deadline season, not only am I not sure Will Myers has much value. I mean, maybe they could flip him for a project, but I really don't necessarily know that he's going to help this team if he's in the lineup and this team needs to figure out some dudes and not to mention, you got a dude in triple a TJ Hopkins. That's absolutely kicking butt right now. You can make a case that you can call him up. You give Jake Friley everyday playing time, TJ Friedel everyday playing time. And I, I think Hopkins is a right-hander, so it doesn't make sense to platoon two righties, Stuart Fairchild and TJ Hopkins, but you can figure out the playing time there somehow. And I think that that would be more beneficial because we know for a fact, Will Myers ain't going to be here whenever the Reds are good again. It's kind of just a, hey, get me there from A to B. We hoped he was going to be a middle of the order type dude this year, and he just absolutely hasn't been. I think it's time to 
cut bait and run whenever it comes on this one and the, and the other one. And this one kind of pains me a little bit. And, um, I saw it back here in the comments. Yeah. Tom, Tom kind of had me peg. I think Tom's reading my mind today. Uh, but I think it's time. And I think the reds are telling us that it's time that they move on from Jose Barrero. And I know he's, he's had a very limited number of plate appearances as a major league ball player but it just feels like he's not getting better and he's going to have those games where it's like, you know, a couple of hits or something like that. His plate discipline has improved. He's not striking out as much, but that bar was really low so far as how he could improve his strikeout rate. And you're talking about an easy one for one trade, which it's, it's a call up. It's not a trade, but one for one trade of calling up Ellie de la Cruz and sending down Jose Barrero. I mean, Ellie de la Cruz has nothing left to prove at AAA. If you saw, by the way, ESPN prospect rankings now has Ellie de la Cruz number one overall, not just in the red system in major league baseball. ESPN says that Ellie de la Cruz is the top prospect period. I don't know what else he has left to prove. It's time to call him up. It's time to get that electric bat in this lineup and beef up the middle of this order. I, I think that Barrero is the kind of guy that maybe if you send him down and then you say, okay, we're going to move your positions. You're not going to play on the infield anymore. You're going to be an outfielder or something like that. Because think about this. The only position he has played other than shortstop this year is center field. He hasn't played second. He hasn't played third. He's not really shown that he's got some sort of you know, play all over the diamond type mentality. And I think that if you send him down to AAA, maybe you can create some value in getting him used to the outfield. Cause it feels like he's got the arm to be an outfielder, but I don't necessarily know that we have the major league bandwidth for him to figure out the outfield up here. So maybe he can go down into AAA in Louisville and figure it out down there. I really think that if the Reds move on from Will Myers and they could, I don't know, maybe trade him for a cup of coffee or, or a bowl of soup or something like that, and then call up TJ Hopkins and then send Barrero down to AAA and call up Ellie De La Cruz, you really start to inject some awesomeness into this roster. And plus, you could also make the case, and I don't, I don't, I, I think they could work it in the outfield, but maybe you could, um, instead of calling up TJ Hopkins, you could call up Christian Encarnacion Strand obviously he's not going to play in the outfield, but you're talking about upgrading the lineup immensely by calling up CES and Ellie De La Cruz. And I really think it's time to move on from those two guys. Uh, and, and I see a couple of other folks, um, a couple of other folks that are saying, uh, Kevin Newman wanted to pull up a comment here and look, I, I've not been a Kevin Newman guy from day one. And he's one of those dudes that I feel like as soon as you, you, you know, talk crap about him, he goes out and he has two hits or something, but you still look at those, those overall numbers and you see what he does in the field. I just, I've never been a Kevin Newman guy. So as soon as the reds move on from him, I'll be like, yeah, that figures. But overall looking at Will Myers, looking at Jose Barrero, it's time to make a change. You know, there's been a couple of dudes here recently, and especially in last night's Reds win, that really have balled out. I'm going to talk about what their future, what their future prospects for, and we use the word prospect a lot, so in this case, it's a little bit confusing. But what their future looks like, 
on the Reds roster. Before we get into that, though, I want to tell you about the most comfortable pair of shorts you will ever own. Bird dogs. Bird dogs are the perfect excuse to wear the most comfortable pair of shorts to some sort of fancy event. Think about a date or something like that. And it's hot. It's, it's, it's the warm months. I ain't wearing jeans to a date in between May and like September. I need some shorts. Bird dogs going to help you out because bird dogs can work in any situation. You go to the ballpark, you go on a date. If you get the ones with the liners, I mean, you can even go swimming in them. It's awesome. I I've never put on a pair of shorts that are more comfortable than bird dogs are. And you should check them out today. You can go to birddogs.com slash locked on MLB, and then enter the pro promo code locked on MLB to get a free custom bird dogs, Yeti style tumbler with every order that you make. I mean, they feel like basketball shorts, but you can go out with your girlfriend or with your wife or with your significant other in them and not feel as if they're staring at you. Like what is wrong with this dude wearing basketball shorts to a date? Get them today. Bird dogs. Trust me when I say they are the most comfortable pair of shorts you will ever own. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB right now. You know that you can catch every pitch of the Reds hometown broadcast on Sirius XM. Just download the SXM app and search Reds, Reds and Cardinals today at 1235. Luke Weaver on the mound and uh gonna be very interesting to see how the reds lineup deals with miles michaelis because we've seen him in the past and we've seen him be pretty dominant in the past but he hadn't been very dominant this year he's been kind of so and so right just okay i i'm going to be interested to see how this reds lineup follows up because we always say it right reds just won 10 to 3 they scored all their runs right they're done done scoring for a couple days right Hopefully not. I mean, the couple of games before that, they had eclipsed five runs as well. So it's not as if that was the only game in this series that we were seeing the Reds score some runs. So hopefully they can continue to get up on it on the, on the, uh, excuse me, on the Cardinals pitching staff again today, because they have a chance to win the series. And I saw some things last night and you probably saw them too. From a couple of guys. Now, one of them, I think it's a given he's a part of this team's future, and that's Matt McClain. But I'm curious as to what you believe his role is going to be on this team moving forward, because being one of the first call-ups of this group of young players that we all see being a huge part of the Reds future, you tend to believe, okay, this is going to be the leader. This is going to be the main dude, the head squeeze, a dude that's going to be leading the crew. But I think it was more so because he was a little bit more seasoned than the dude that's actually going to be that who's Ellie De La Cruz. So Matt McClain, what does he look like on the future of this Reds roster? Because he probably isn't going to play shortstop. You're looking at Ellie De La Cruz, or maybe even a couple years down the road, you're looking at Noel V. Marte, although I think he's probably going to play third base. And then you're also looking at Edwin Arroyo. There's just so much talent there at shortstop that it might behoove them to move McLean to second where he is very strong or as Steve has said multiple times, center field. He played center field in college. It's not something that is foreign to him. I wonder how much he's going to factor into the conversation at shortstop, because I think for us, as we look at the future, we know, and, and when you talk about 
all of the different accomplishments that Ellie De La Cruz has done in the minor leagues, all of the, the exit velocities and how hard he throws the ball and things like that, it, it makes you wonder if you can move him to the outfield. But he has positive uh, statistics fielding-wise at shortstop. It's not as if he's a bad shortstop. He's actually a really, really good defensive shortstop. So it makes me think that if you can have a dude like that at short, killing it, then you line up with a lot of other teams in the major leagues that have shortstops that kill it. Like think of like Carlos Correa and think of, you know, Francisco Lindor and things like this. Guys like that have absolutely raked. We've seen a really good era for shortstops recently. And then when you even see the future over in Pittsburgh with O'Neill Cruz, I mean, he killed us whenever he was here in the opening series. So when I think about this, I say, I think I really want him at short. And I know it's weird talking about a dude who's that tall being a shortstop, a little bit of irony in the naming and things like that. But I really want to see what Ellie De La Cruz has at short. So Matt McLean positionally, might have some interesting, there might be an interesting discussion there, but then you also get into his, his role on the team, because I feel like if you look back through the history of the Reds and all the good teams that we've had, which it's been 30 years since we've had a really, really good team, but all of those teams have the guys that are in the middle that everybody loves because they know that they just get it done. They're not going to be the guys that are at the, on the front page too much. They're not going to be the dudes that are just all over the place when you're talking about like awards and all this other stuff. Matt McLean looks like a dude who's just going to be super solid hitting like 280, 290, hitting like 20, 25 homers, maybe like 80 to 90 ribbies and getting like 10 to 20 stolen bases. And when you look at that statistically, you're like, that's a pretty good ball player. But I don't think that that's going to be like the dude on this team. I think he's going to be the glue of this team. You know, we always talk about um, different players and in, in past Reds teams like, ah, man, he's the glue, right? He's the straw that stirs the drink and all of that great stuff. I think that Matt McClain is going to be that guy. And I love thinking about that for the future, thinking about the guy who's just he's going to be the solid part of this lineup that he's never going to be the the scariest player on the team, but he's going to be one of the toughest outs. I mean, he's already shown that so far, that he's one of the toughest outs in this lineup. He might be the toughest line uh, out in this lineup right now, arguably with, there with Friedel and Indy, and I think that's why they're your top three in the batting order. But when it comes to Matt McClain, I think that he is going to be the kind of dude that – this roster needs and it hasn't really had over the last few years. It feels like there's been a ton of guys and, and India, if India had this mentality, I think last year, we probably would have said that about him, but he is really kind of one of the stars of this team right now. And I think he could continue to be depending on where he plays and how he reacts to things like that. So overall, I kind of think that Matt McLean is just that dude that is going to be the solid player right there in the middle of the order for the Reds, probably batting. I don't know if he's going to stay in the top three. He might be more of like a sixth hitter or something like that. Like think about it. When you have the main dudes up, um, you may make a case for him leading off. I'm not really sure, but 
you you would probably have something like if, if India is still here playing like left field or something, have India leading off. You would have Ellie De La Cruz batting second. I could see, um, I don't know, maybe Steer. Would you go third? No, maybe not Steer third. CES third. Um, and then maybe fourth is where we're hopefully Tyler Stevenson kind of figures some things out here soon. And he slots back into that fourth spot. Uh, and then fifth, you're looking at Spencer Steer. Uh, sixth, probably where I'm putting Matt McClain. And then, you know, your bottom third of the order can kind of move around accordingly. Maybe Spencer or maybe uh, Nixon Zell is still here. But I think that overall, Matt McClain is going to be a huge part of this team moving forward, more so as like the glue in the middle of the roster. The other thing that I was thinking, and this was something that we said in the offseason, something we said in spring training coming up about Connor Overton and that... He could be your emergency starter. He could be a spot starter, but he could be a really valuable long relief pitcher as well. And I think if you're telling me at some point we're going to see Andrew Abbott because he's been amazing, at some point Levi Stout's going to be up here to stay. It's not going to be these weird call him up for a day, send him back down for a couple weeks things. Uh, and then, of course, we have Brandon Williamson, and then Nick Lodolo is going to come back healthy. That's really the guys that I think profile more as rotation pieces than Ben Lively does. However, Ben Lively has really shown some good stuff here recently. And if you're telling me that you can have a guy like that in your bullpen who is super versatile and, and say you've got a day where one of your starters struggles, you can bring in Ben Lively and save the bullpen for a few innings. And then you can take a look at, you know, maybe if you have a double header or if you need to give a dude an extra day of rest or something, Ben Lively can be your sixth or seventh starter or something like that. Every team needs depth at starting in their starting rotation. We've seen that in spades early on this season, because when you're talking about injuries to guys and, and dudes struggling and, and, and needing to work on some stuff and maybe triple is where they need to do that. in, I think Ben Lively really profiles as an interesting piece for this team. And it's funny because he was a prospect here, right? Like he was part of the Marlon bird trade. Remember Marlon bird sent him, uh, sent uh, Ben lively to Philadelphia for him. And he comes up through there. He kind of struggles, doesn't. And, and then he goes overseas and he gets it right. He figures it out. He figures out the mental side of the game. And you saw it yesterday. Like he gave up two solo home runs. Did that affect him? No, eight strikeouts, in six innings. I mean, that was beautiful stuff. And and I think we're talking about base running base runners total. I think he had more strikeouts than base runners. Yeah. 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 So uh, that is the kind of stuff you would love to see. And he's done it now against two pretty good lineups. He did it against the Yankees and he did it against the Cardinals. So I don't think this is nothing. And, um, shout out to, a uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Ken Huber at obscure reds on Twitter. Uh, he said, I don't think he's, um, I don't know if he's, well, I should have pulled up the quote. I don't know if he's right, but I know he's right now. Something like that, which I think that's an old Marty quote. It's probably an old Yogi bear quote or something. I don't know. But when I look at what he has done, it really intrigues me. And I think that there's something to Ben lively. And I'm interested to watch his next start because if he continues this, like I, I really think Ben Lively could be 
an interesting part of the pitching staff moving forward. And yeah, I mentioned Connor Overton. Uh, Connor Overton actually had Tommy John surgery. He's going to be out for the rest of this year. He's going to probably, I mean, getting Tom, Tommy John right now here around Memorial Day probably means we won't see him until June or July of next year. And I, I think we kind of know what Connor Overton is, which is a little bit of a bummer because I thought he was going to be a little bit more for this team. But, you know, sometimes that happens. And I think we've got a shot here. It's only been two appearances for Ben Lively. But I think he could be an important part of this pitching staff as kind of a little bit, maybe the glue. I don't know. I keep using that term. Matt McClain's the glue. Ben Lively's the glue. We got a lot of glue on this team. Uh, coming up, we are live. So I'm going to take some questions and some comments. And I got an interesting question that I just saw pop up uh, that we're going to talk about here in just a moment that is in regards to Hunter Green. All right. Before we get into that, though, I want to tell you about the best way to manage your money, and that is Rocket Money. You know, 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. Like, me and my wife right now are trying to go through the Fast and Furious movie series, and uh, I don't know if you know this or not, not all of them are on one streaming service. I don't know why they do that, but because of that, you have to be like, all right, let's do a free trial here, and then you forget about it. And then you're paying for the streaming service that you don't use rocket money can help you clean that up because rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending and helps you lower your bills all in one place. And, and seriously, you can get on rocket money and you can be like, yo, I look at all my subscriptions. Let's see what all I'm paying for. And rocket money will show you. And if you don't want to pay for that subscription anymore, all you got to do is click cancel rocket money. will take care of the rest and you won't have to pay that subscription anymore. In fact, rocket money saves the average person up to $720 a year. I don't know about you, but $720 a year could really take me some places, you know, a couple of reds games here and there. Uh, but rocket money can also help you budget and it help you track your spending and all that great stuff. So check out rocket money today, go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB and start reining in your spending. I know that we can all use a little bit of budgetary help every now and then rocket money's here for that rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. Also, don't forget you can catch every reds hometown broadcast on the Sirius XM app. Just search reds on the SXM app. All right. We are live. I appreciate everybody in the comments. Everybody's super active today. I think we're all happy, right? I mean, when the Reds beat the Cardinals by a touchdown, everything is good in Cincinnati. Let's, let's put it this way. Um, I got a question from the quirky picker, Chad. What's up, Chad? Thanks for jumping in. I uh, said, why can't Hunter green get run support? Just dumb luck. Or is there a reason? I wanted to start with this one because I've seen a lot of weird questions and weird thoughts here recently. And I think we, as people tend to tend to put more stock in this than, than the players do or anything like that. There's been a lot of people that have said, boy, Hunter green got that contract. Nick Lodolo started struggling or Hunter green got that contract and Graham Ashcraft started throwing meatballs up there or Hunter green got that contract. And now nobody wants to help him out and score runs like, Players get contracts. That's a weird talking point for me. And I don't understand why people are so obsessed with the uh, other people trying to get revenge on him for getting paid. Think about all the dudes in major league baseball that are making tons of money. I mean, the Philadelphia Phillies are 
handing out so much money in the in the in the Mets and really the Braves. I mean, all of their long term contracts have their payroll up over two hundred million. You're, you're talking about the NL East is shelling out a lot of money right now, and they're pretty good. I don't think there's any correlation between making a lot of money and your teammates resenting you. Like maybe there's a personal aspect to it and maybe they don't hang out after the game, but I think once they hit the field, they understand they got a job to do they understand that they got to win and they're not going to, you know, start throwing games or start not hitting when it comes to Hunter green starts. I think it's mostly bad luck. In fact, I mean, you can go back through multiple seasons. I remember going back all the way mid two thousands, Aaron Harang. Aaron Harang was a dude. He pitched so well, and I'm pretty sure the Reds scored like one and a half runs on average per start for Aaron Harang. Like it might have been like a little over two, but he just did not get the run support that other pitchers got. Like I remember Bronson Arroyo got tons of run support, but he was always a guy that kind of gave up two, three, four runs. So you needed to kind of offset that a little bit when it comes to Hunter green and, and his performances this season. I think it's easy for people to see the antiquated and ridiculous pitcher win loss stat and say, there's something wrong with them. We got to figure this out. It's just bad luck, man. Just bad luck. I really think that he is going to be just fine. And I'm looking forward to when that happens, I mean, he has pitched so well here recently, and I can't wait to see when he starts getting the results on that. Uh, shout out to Wolfback. Did cover this in the first segment. Yep. We, uh, Will Myers, want to move on from him. Um, I, I kind of, uh, I'm interested on this one. When India, and, and thanks, John, would India accept becoming a DH, or would he take that as a slap in the face and be an unhappy camper? I don't think his personality would allow him to be an unhappy camper, but I don't think he likes the idea of becoming a full-time DH either. You remember that he was pretty good friends with Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker, and both of those guys, when they were here, voiced their displeasure for the DH position. In fact, if I remember right, Nick Castellanos said specifically that he came to a National League team because he didn't want a DH. He wanted to play right field. And I wonder if there's a mentality about players that they see the DH position. And, and, and part of it has to be tied to contracts a little bit because I feel like it's very hard for a player to forego half of the game, the defensive side of the game, but then come around and say, I want $100 million. Like, I don't necessarily, we're probably going to see that here soon just because contracts continue going up and up and up and through the roof. But when it comes to India DHing, I think, and I don't necessarily think that it would be a situation where David Bell and Nick Crawl come to him and say, you're going to DH for your life. They're probably just going to say, hey, for the next little bit, we're going to switch you to DH. And then if he gets comfortable with it, that's cool. And maybe next year they can work him into left field or something like that. Because having India in the lineup is a great thing. Having him out in the field okay. I mean, he's an okay defender. I think, especially with all the injuries he dealt with last season, we tended to think that he was a horrible fielder and that's just not the case, but do I ever see him winning the gold glove? Probably not. So overall, I think that Jonathan India, 
especially when you're talking about calling up CES, Ellie De La Cruz, and later down the road with Noel V. Marte and Edwin Arroyo, and, and even further down the road with Cam Collier, there's really no spot for him on the infield because those guys are all better defensively than he is. So he either learns the outfield, he plays DH, or God forbid, he gets traded. I really don't want him to be traded at all. Get them gems. Yes, this is a live show. What's up, man? Um, and, and I think actually, yeah, um, I think get them gems is in the discord chat. If you guys want some more red stock, we have a discord chat that I have down a link down in the description that would love for you to join. It's kind of our in between shows during games, you know, therapy conversation as we talk about this reds team. Uh, <laughs> Alexander Sackett, I have a question, Jeff. Why do you have a grudge on Kevin Newman? I don't have a grudge on Kevin Newman. I just don't think he's a good player. Like, <laughs> it's just, I, I think that he is the definition of replacement level. He has been his entire career. There's a reason that the Pirates thought they'd take a chance on Dowry Moretta rather than hold on to Kevin Newman for a few more years. Like they had Kevin Newman for multiple seasons on their major league team, getting hundreds of at bats. And they decided that they'd rather figure out if Dowry Moretta, who seemed to give up 19 home runs per nine innings, uh, would give him a shot. Now to his credit, he's pit, he pitched pretty well in the beginning part of this season. And he's always a guy that I thought would be interesting for the Reds. But I think Kevin Newman at best should be a bench player. And Kevin Newman for me is the reason that I said earlier in this show, I said the Reds seem to be telling us that they're ready to move on from Jose Barrero. The more playing time you give to Kevin Newman, the more you're telling me Jose Barrero ain't the guy. Because if Kevin Newman deserves more playing time than Jose Barrero, then Jose Barrero is below replacement level. Because that is what Kevin Newman is. He is a replacement level player. And there's there's plenty of room for guys like that on this team, on any team. But those are the guys you have at the end of the bench. Not playing every other day. Oh, man. I, I, I wonder about this, Carrick. And, and it's something that I want to have Lindsay on as we get closer to the draft. Lindsay Crosby, Locked On MLB Prospects. Um, he is deep into draft stuff. If you, by the way, definitely check out Locked On MLB Prospects. I know that... His episode today was talking about the new ESPN rankings, which means he's going to talk about Ellie De La Cruz, the new number one guy, but also he knows the draft. He covers Auburn college baseball, but he also really studies the draft well. Uh, and, and he will have a deep insight on this and he's going to be able to answer this question a little bit more. Um, but you know, when it comes to the draft, yeah, best player available is pretty much the way every team goes. The only reason that any team goes differently is if they're trying to pick a dude below slot value. And this is where people have trouble with the MLB draft over like the NFL draft or even the NBA draft is that each draft pick slot has a specific dollar value. And if you are a team that is trying to save out on money, reallocate it for later rounds or something like that. I, I don't necessarily know the entire strategy behind all of this, but you will pick a dude that isn't necessarily rated to be the number seven pick. If you think you can get somebody later on in the draft for higher, I think is how that goes. But yeah, again, that's why we're going to have Lindsey Crosby on to talk a little bit more about the draft. Not the biggest, um, 
not the biggest draft knowledge guy, but man, you guys have been so great. Thank you for everyone who has jumped into the chat with us here today on this live edition of the Locked On Reds podcast as we get you ready for game four of the Reds and the Cardinals. That's coming up here in less than a half an hour now. So thanks everybody for checking us out. Make sure that you are subscribed and you follow the podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms, including right here on YouTube. If you aren't subscribed yet, please uh, do so and click that bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you. Steve's going to be back here soon. He wasn't feeling that great. Hadn't been feeling that good for a couple of days. So hopefully he'll be back with me tomorrow because we are going to have you covered every step of the way with every call up that the Reds do with all of the rumors that uh, there will hopefully be for different moves and different things like that as we move into trade deadline season, because we have got you covered every single day because we're locked on Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.